goes over. But yeah, we can just have a casual uh, conversation. Totally not prompted. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. This is not prompted. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're not prompting anything right now. The bat, okay. Yeah, we're just casually, you know, we're just talking about ourselves. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Oh, it's okay because no one can see them. <laughs> okay, except everybody. Okay. Do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, but I will definitely kick us off. Let me just get this. I, can everybody see the animation right now? That's it's actually, yeah, everyone can see the animation right now. That's cool. We can. Zombie hand. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. So turn off the loop. And we are live in five, four, three, two, one. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fantastically delicious and nutritious episode of Silicon Zombies, where you'll find the best brains in the Bay to beyond. That's right. We connect live with really innovators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs. We get to demystify emerging tech. We get to empower our community of zombies with delicious brains. It's Tuesday, Jan 24th. My name is Nick Larson, storyteller, story listener, and ambitious beach bum. And my name is Peter Wang. Brand community manager at Intel, social media guru, focusing more on TikTok, and fantastic uh, ballroom dancer. Oh, stop! <laughs> wow, <laughs> nice. Let's let's do a quick shout out to our sponsors. We, we've Nodex, uh, who is your remote team. They're based in Mexico. They start twenty five dollars an hour, and they've done some terrific work for uh, for our community in building products, uh, including. They, they're time. actually joining us right now. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Do we do we've got them? Okay. Good deal. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nick. So, um, let me just guide to the team. Uh, this is Carlos. So, um, well, we can help with many things, right? So, if you're looking to hire the right tech or create a talent that fits your culture and helps you grow, at Nicodex, we want to help you with uh, our nearshore solution, such as building your team remotely at your same time zone. And this is with a very similar culture to what uh, you guys have. So we can help with decisions such as back-end, front-end, DevOps, quality assurance, and many more. Uh, we have over seven years of experience. Our mastery can easily be measured by taking a look at the growth of uh, many of our clients, such as the Zinta or Side Pocket. Uh, so if this resonates with you, we can just go ahead and schedule a 15-minute meeting so we can start your growth. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I also want to give a shout-out to Primero Negocios, who helps you get local customers and their digital marketing uh, champions. So we'll, we'll let uh, Gabriel share a little bit here. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Um, so yeah, I'm Gabriel, I'm the founder of Primero Negocios. And you know we're here to maximize your online success uh, with the comprehensive digital marketing service, including web development, SEO, PPC, content creation, and social media marketing. Um, our experts are here to help you increase website traffic, improve search engine rankings and drive conversions for your business. So if you're interested, if you need any help, please visit PrimeroNegocios.com today and we'll give you a free marketing consultation. Thanks. Cool. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're super jazzed to, to have the opportunity today to, uh, to chat with Mr. Troy Homing, clean tech industrialist, uh, serial founder and Ninja Warrior. Super <laughs> badass. Want to hear more about that. And if you people in the audience want to ask uh, or hear uh, Troy respond to some of your questions, feel free to drop them in the comments, and I can highlight them in the chat yeah. or in the show. In yeah, the show. and if in you're feeling show. feeling really bold, click the link. We'll, we'll have you up uh, up here as well. 
Um, so, so Troy, uh, clean tech has, has changed quite a bit, especially in the last couple of years. I feel like adoption, innovation, it's, it's in this hockey stick mode. So what, do you, what are you seeing as a, as a serial founder in the space? Yeah, I've been around it a long time, uh, since 1980, actually, cool. when I uh, was taking care of the solar system on my house growing up. My dad built a, uh, his dream house, and we had solar that was heating the pool, a hot tub, our domestic water, and even the air in the wintertime. Wow. Wow. So, were you guys off the grid? <laughs> no, we were not off the grid. <laughs> Close. <laughs> but it saved us a lot of money on our natural gas bill Nice, a long time ago. Um, so I've been following technology for a long time. And what a lot of people think that aren't in the energy business is that we need to invent a bunch of new stuff, right, to solve this problem. Mm. It's really not true. The existing technology we have, primarily wind and solar, is so much cheaper than nuclear everywhere, coal everywhere, and natural gas in most places, like 80, 90 percent of, of, the, of the globe. We just need to build more of it. Yeah. It's cost effective. Thing. It's there. It's a scale thing. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll need to pepper that in with with some you know, geothermal and more hydro and pump hydro and energy storage. Um, well, I mean, let's just dive right into it. How come uh, we're getting so there's so much in the news about uh, 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 the nuclear space? Because I, I know that there's been some recent innovation, but it sounds so costly when we already have something that is functional now. It's a great question. I mean, it's it's exciting that you know nuclear cold fusion is finally about to have its its day, but that day is instead of hearing oh it's ten years away for the last forty years now folks are saying all right well it's five years away right and it'll probably be five years away for at least another ten or twenty years. <laughs> um, but I hope it happens faster. But the the cost I don't think they're ever going to be able to compete on a cost basis per kilowatt hour mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm nuclear or excuse me with uh, with solar and wind and it but you're doing some re something really fascinating with earth grid specifically uh underwater tunnels excuse me underground tunnels yeah. um that are 90 percent more cost efficient and 100 times more efficient than the closest competitor did i get that right yeah yeah about 100 times faster and up to 90 98 lower cost than wow. mechanical means um, and I should back up a little bit. Yeah. The, the problem with wind and solar and even fusion, for that matter, is our grid. Uh, most of our, our grid, which is the largest machine ever built in the world, mm -hmm. it was never designed. It evolved. Right. And so it, it evolved from utilities in various areas, building out their own networks and deciding, you know what, we should probably connect to one another. But it's a hodgepodge you know, patchwork. And so. It's really frustrating, but 80%, actually over 80% of all proposed solar and wind farms yeah. in the United States, same problem in Europe and many other places, but 80% of them are abandoned. Is it like industrial debt kind of a thing? Like we have technical debt and, and startups, but now we, we're dealing with like this. Infrastructure debt. That's okay. That's yeah, put infrastructure and debt. And why are they abandoned? So it takes about two or three years for a solar developer or a wind developer to go through the engineering studies with the local utility that they want to connect to. Mm -hmm. And the utility comes back and they hire outside engineering firms like a Black & Veatch or Burns & Mac, whatever. Anyway, two years later, the study comes back and either there's no capacity on the lines or the interconnection upgrade costs to upgrade our dilapidated grid are so high that it kills the economics of the project. Wow. So right. developers, it's a very risky business. You know, They'll invest three years and a half a million dollars per project before anything ever gets built and have to walk away from four out of five. Yeah, it feels like uh, super inefficient from a cost perspective. So it is. So uh, the, the future. Let, let's dive straight into EarthGrid because that's like pretty fascinating. I mean, you're 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 beating Elon Musk because uh, he's he's got. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, obviously that's like a lot of uh, publicity there. But sure. Um, 
but you've got a bunch of contracts in place. Um, okay. you're, you know, this is the future for wastewater, for electricity, mm-hmm. for, uh, for transportation, uh, for, for internet. Uh, tell, us, tell us more about this. Yeah, for sure. So, and by the way, I should say uh, thanks to Elon for raising awareness of how important tunnels <laughs> are. Right. Win together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Clip that. <laughs> and just that uh, hashtag you want somewhere right we did uh, i have to say uh, just an hour ago i left uh actually about two hours ago we did a demonstration for some customers and uh, with our new system and it was really impressive i mean that's a flamethrower <laughs> so, so yeah uh, tell tell so, us of what the what the product is how does it right. work all right so i invented a plasma tunnel boring robot so essentially we take um uh, air and we pass air over an electric arc. Think of it like lightning, and the the arc superheats the air into a plasma. And, oh wow! And it's about six to seven thousand degrees Celsius, really really hot, and that's hot enough to spallate or vaporize pretty much anything. Wow. We, we can go through even the hardest rock out there, like quartzite and basalt, where other drillers they won't even touch it. There's been projects in the Northeast and. New York, where you know they've been waiting 20 years to try to find somebody that would be willing to bid on some of the projects going through hard rock. Oh my God! Yeah, and we can go right through. We can go through steel or anything. And so, because it's it's not using mechanical means, we don't have to change out drill bits 10, 15 times a day. We don't have to put fluids like you know lubricants and drilling mud and toxic chemicals that then have to be removed and pumped away and disposed of, which is very expensive at a certain type of water treatment plant. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a robot, so there's hardly any labor involved. It sounds like you're essentially cutting through the earth with a lightsaber. <laughs> exactly. Imagine a tractor with 10 lightsabers vaporizing everything, and then we use a Mandalorian jetpack to blow all the little bits of rock and dust out the Mandalorian, because you know. That's right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Are you running up against challenges with with governments and, and policy? Because obviously this is something that's going to be hugely beneficial for, for everybody involved, but probably navigating bureaucracy is kind of frustrating. It can be. And so I came up with this idea. I don't know if you want to hear the origin story, you know, about seven years ago. Please. But, um, we love origin stories. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So... Um, Back to solar, I had one of the leading solar companies that I was running at the time, and we, uh, same thing, we had a project in Northern California with PG&E where the studies came back. We had to downsize the project 75% because the grid couldn't handle it all. So we were drowning our tears over beers in in a happy hour in San Francisco. uh, And, you know, it's like this happens all the time. Frustrated, we have to either walk away or reduce our project size. Anyway, one of our solar engineers, he's a former Navy SEAL, he was bragging to his girlfriend about how his SEAL team used to practice entering enemy ships by going underwater and cutting through the side of a wow. ship. Wow. Yeah, the plate falls in, water rushes in, pow, pow, pow. Yeah, I did that last week. Yeah, I did that on GTA. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's, let's practice. Anyway, um, so we're all like, dude, you're badass, right? Well, middle of the night, that night, I pop out of bed, I wake up, and I'm like, inspiration. Yeah, wow, 20,000 degrees Celsius, because that's the temperature at the core of these plasma things. I was like, I wonder if that could be used for rock yeah i just couldn't stop thinking about it up all night researching couldn't find anybody doing it anyway long story short hired an engineering firm feasibility study yes it'll work two no one's doing it you can go it up to one kilometer per day which is crazy fast right and then they gave me the estimated operating costs and i ran the math i'm like because i've hired hundreds of of companies to do you know bore tunnels and trenches and things like that under rivers creeks and, and railroad tracks i was like this is cheap so i built a prototype in 2018 with um my own money and I wasn't sure, if, I didn't even tell my wife. 
because I wasn't sure if it was going to work. I was like, this is either going to be a billion dollar idea or a nothing idea. Right. Anyway, punch <laughs> oh, by the way, some, <laughs> some granite. I was like, it worked. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, honey, you got to see this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that's how I came up with the idea. Um, but to your point, bureaucracy. Yeah. About four years ago, I, um, I was really worried about that. So we brought on a lawyer. EarthGrid is now approved as a regulated utility in 26 wow. states. California was the first. Congratulations. Thank you. It's like more than half. Exactly. <laughs> more than half the states and about 75% of the U.S. population. So California, Texas, New York, Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what that means is now EarthGrid can bore our tunnels, uh, either shallow or deep tunnels, along any public roadway in any state. And no one can say no. Right. It basically gives us those rights of way. But we're not going to cities as customers. Most of our customers are fiber companies and electric utilities, water, wastewater. We even signed a contract recently with a cool company called Pipe Dream Labs. I encourage your, your yeah. listeners to, to check them out. Mm-hmm. They want to move our Amazon packages at 100 miles an hour through tubes with little robots. Wow. Wow. So, so no, okay, like, un, so underground, so not, underground. Like, not drones flying through the air. Nope. Okay. All underground. So how would it, how would it function? Right. So what they want to do is, first of all, we have a pilot project that we're talking to them about that's, uh, you know, basically a distribution center um, for, for Amazon and Whole Foods. And then there's a bunch of neighborhoods, a five mile route, uh, eight kilometers or so. And, and they're going to basically send these tubes along and they'll have Amazon lockers at every street corner. For the last mile or whatever. Yeah. So okay. people can, you know, essentially so maybe go into people's homes, but for now right, it'll be right. lockers. So it's essentially, it's the boring company, but we replace Tesla's with Amazon packages. <laughs> and, and like way more efficient. Yeah. So, okay. So you're doing big stuff in, in, in that space, but you've also had a couple wins uh, that gave you the credibility and also the capital to be able to invest yourself, which is a, it's a strong message to investors. It's like, I believe in this so much. I'm, I'm you know, putting my money more in my mouth. It's like, tell yeah. us more about that. Yeah, so uh, that's right. Our family, my family office has invested. My wife and I have, have we're unicorn founders, so um, we've invested millions into EarthGrid. So my, fir- I've had six exits, two that were kind of nothing, four that were fairly meaningful. One of them that I'll highlight is TradeWind. In mm-hmm. the 1990s, I started TradeWind. It was the first wind farm development company based in Kansas. In the 90s. In the 90s. Wow. Oh, gee. Someone's a trendsetter. <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up in a solar home in the, in the 80s, right? So, But there were no jobs in solar or wind when I got out of business school. Anyway, um, so sold my telecommunications company, started this wind company, knew nothing about it, made a ton of mistakes, but eventually partnered with a firm in San Diego, brought some great engineers in. That company is called TradeWind. Well, it doesn't exist anymore because it's now a $35 billion division of Enel, the huge Italian utility but it became the largest wind developer in the whole country by 2017. Oh my God, that's wild. You also um, learned on a great name. Trade Winds is a great yeah. name for a wind. So, so is Pipe Train. I, I like that one too. That's a good name too. That's a, yeah. It's also the, the autobiography for, for Kelly Slater. He's like the, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of surfing Pipe Trains. Gotcha. Um, Sick Pipe, bro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I like that name, yeah. So, uh, so it, it's neat that you have this this foundation of, of clean tech, uh, ever since you were a kid. So it kind of was like a natural progression for you to build in this right. space. Right. Um, are you interested in it for, because it's, because the ability to have just like quantum leaps and in innovation, or are you, you passionate about the environment or what's, what's driving this for you personally? It's a really good question. So I grew up 
although my family's from the Bay Area, third, mm -hmm. third generation, my folks moved me to Kansas City when I was five. My dad is a diehard Republican. My mom was always very liberal Democrat. And so mm -hmm. kind of middle. But uh, my dad built the solar on his home uh, to save money. So it was economics. Um, there were some tax credits too, but it was mainly about economics. Mm -hmm. um, but I got my environmentalist side from my mother. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of both. But I'm old. I'm 55. And so uh, I grew up in, you know, witnessing the oil shocks and you know the frustration that my parents what are oil felt. shocks oil shocks are when um the uh shah was deposed in iran and uh, the, the oil coming from oh, iran this is the 70s in late the 70s, 70s and and okay. yeah and that caused a bunch of economic decline in the 80s but um you know there were lines miles long at gas stations yes yeah. I, I remember reading reading about that in social studies in high school Right, right. Well, I was a kid, but I it had an impact on me. And I was like, I remember, you know, we would go on road trips to go skiing in Colorado, and I'd be like pointing at SUVs and trucks and saying, "No, no, no, you wow. know, get smaller wow. cars." Yeah. yeah. So ahead of his time. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, did you see the uh, the documentary with Jack Nicholson? I think it's back in the seventies. Like, who killed the electric car? Like I these did. technologies have existed for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that kind of begs the question what is the role of private business and and how can we make sure that we're progressing in the right way? Oh my God, I have such a similar, I have a, such a close question. I want to ask that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it, it's, it's about economics, right? I mean, you can, the triple bottom line, you can make money doing things that help the planet and help people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, the technology existed, the electric cars, but the battery technology really it has been more recent in the last decade and, and a half, maybe two decades where battery technology is such that it works. I've been driving a Tesla for more than 10 years. Yeah. And prior to that, I was on biodiesel and natural gas. So I've you know, practiced what I preach for a long, long time. Oh. Uh, also built a solar company after I sold the wind company and 350 solar projects. But uh, uh, yeah, business needs to bring capital and it is happening. A lot of people don't realize that solar and wind are by far the biggest sources of new generation built in the US and Europe and China and many other parts of the world. What about Africa? It's really growing. Uh, some of the biggest solar farms in uh, Africa and the Arabian Peninsula have been announced. And so, yeah, solar and wind and hydro are becoming increasingly more important. Peter, you had a question? Um, when I think about, I, I think about what's the best way to essentially change our, our habits in terms of uh, consuming energy and right i think about is like privatization uh, the answer or is it like uh, as i would like to call it the carrot or is government sanctions or government laws the answer which i like to call the stick mm. um what are your thoughts about that like mm. do you think in for us to be carbon neutral by x date like in 10 years or 20 years do you think right. We the answer is more private, like uh, have like businesses coming out with more more solutions, or do you think it's uh, more government policy, or is it a mixture of both? Private industry, um, and I'll give you a couple examples. So I've been in solar and wind for almost thirty years, right? And so I've seen a lot of policy drivers from the government, both federal and state level come and go. And mm -hmm. it has caused a lot of consternation and start and stop in the industry when tax credits for the wind industry, for example, expire because they're only renewed for two years at a time. It takes three years to develop a wind farm. It's very difficult to mm -hmm. raise capital, long-term capital to come into a space where you're relying on a tax credit. 
But about 10 years ago, wind energy and solar energy got to a point where the tax credits are kind of nice, but they're not really needed to make the economics work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's one more example. When the Trump administration was in office, he was very anti-coal. Mm-hmm. There was never a four-year term of any president. Trump was anti-coal? <laughs> I'm sorry, anti-renewables. He was oh. pro-coal. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. I was like, sorry, this morning, he was like, in his case, like half the time. When I say the word Trump, I just, my brain just goes nuts. Delusion syndrome? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he was anti-wind and, and pro-coal, right? But there was never a four-year uh, administration where that saw more coal plants close than during the Trump administration. And that was because the that that's what the economy wanted. The, the private industry has said coal doesn't make economic sense anymore, other than in a few wow. places. Wow. So essentially that one thing this disproved the whole, like, even if you, you could beat people down, but if the economy doesn't want coal, they don't want coal. It costs too much. You got to dig it up from the ground. Wow. You got to send it on trucks or tr- trains, really. Yeah. And you got to have, you know, shovel it into a big furnace and it burns and it creates, you know, heat, which creates steam and turns a turbine. Mm-hmm. Whereas wind and solar, what's the, tur- what's the fuel cost of a solar farm? Well, there's probably upkeep, I imagine. And, yeah. But probably not there's much, upkeep. like pennies in the dollar. The fuel is the sun. It's mm. free. Yeah, yeah. And wind is, you know, the fuel cost is zero. So you're not burning coal or natural gas and, and you're not, you know, using nuclear fission or fusion when that comes, you know, so we have free fuel costs and very few moving parts. The fusion's already being done. That's right. <laughs> there's, there's a really cool project and this is probably a few years old. It's called Ibanpa. You're probably familiar outside of yep. Las Vegas. And I and think there's a few of them. The Towers of Mordor. Right, exactly. It's uh, So it's this, it's thousands of, of, uh, panels that or I guess they're, they're just glass mirrors, mirrors that reflect mm-hmm. the sun and heat up a, a, a tall structure that it, essentially the gas rises and turns a turbine and it creates energy. It does. Yeah. It heats oil at the top of the tower okay. and then oil is then pumped uh, through heat exchangers, which cause the water to go to steam, which turns a turbine. Got yes. it, got it. So my friend's dad was uh, building a, a pretty cool uh, add-on product. For it. So essentially out in the middle of the desert, uh, all the dust and dirt, accumulates on the top and so it decreases the efficiency we right. know all about that right so burning man. exactly and so what they were doing is driving around with trucks and hosing off all the, all sure. the mirrors which is like super inefficient right and so what he did is he created a device that was solar powered and it would it, it would clasp right on top of these things and it would wick off using static electric energy back, oh. and, back and forth and it saved like 80 million a year or something crazy like that because yep. obviously you're not wasting water, but you're also having a, a higher uh, conversion, which is pretty neat. Um, yep. What are you seeing in the in the innovation space? You must be have your pulse or same finger on the pulse. Yeah, right? I have you know pat, not only my patents with EarthGrid, but have some patents on floating solar. So we're putting solar on floating reservoirs, you know, fresh oh, water so and cool. salt water as well. Um, panel, um, yeah, soiling on panels is a big deal. You can lose up to 40% of the output of PV. Wow. Um, yeah, the mirrors, those aren't as, as popular anymore because the economics, it's harder to make the numbers pencil compared mm-hmm. to just photovoltaic, which converts sunlight directly to electricity rather than going you know, right. to heat and all sure, that. Sure. 
but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of robotics coming out for um, for that. There's robotics for doing vegetation management because when the mm -hmm. weeds grow, not only can they you know cause uh, shading issues, but then when uh, they pollinate, the dust gets on the panels right. even more. So or goats, you just have the goats eat all the veggies. <laughs> well, unfortunately, goats <laughs> eat everything. I uh, yeah, we've had experience with that. They'll even eat the electrical wires behind the panels. That was but oh, one of my so my family me. office still owns a solar company and it has two herds of sheep yeah. that, that do that are the lawnmowers for projects in the Central Valley of California. I got it. Wow. So a little bit uh, a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, yeah, right. But there's a lot of other tech, and then there's a new thing coming out called agrivoltaics, where people are putting solar on farms in Japan. Mandarin orchard orchards have solar over them, and so they're double dipping on the land. They're growing oh. mandarins all other kinds of vegetables and fruits too, but uh, they're growing crops in in the solar. And as long as you don't cover up more than 40% of the land mass of the farm or the orchard, you don't see a, a drop in the yield of the uh, agricultural product. You know, that's funny. One of the um, early on in my career uh, there, I was doing, I was doing cold calling for a, solar energy company where we would call people who own plots of land in the midwest and in the south mm -hmm. and we would ask if they are willing to lease some of that land to um for this company to come in and install solar farms yeah totally um, is that something you, like are you familiar with that technique? absolutely and my solar company encounters competition in areas where the transmission grid still has some available capacity oh. and it's causing like a gold rush it's a land rush and because all these developers are like, okay, the biggest risk now to building solar is where can we find grid capacity that isn't going to cost us an arm and a leg? Mm -hmm. uh, and those spots are getting gobbled up pretty quickly. So it's probably likely that I called, may have poached. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, <laughs> so speaking of which, how can everyday uh, individuals get involved in something like this? Because they're they're probably excited to be able to have a, a meaningful contribution. And yeah. so what does that look like? To, yeah. To Peter's earlier question, what can people do? Right. So, yeah, I mean, you can start by just cutting your own electric bill by switching from incandescent to LEDs. Okay. You know, that's been going on for a while. There's a lot of other things you can do, like um, switching to uh, uh, an electric furnace, an electric stove, um, electric water heater or a tankless hot water heater. Mm -hmm. um, electricity, although the cost of the appliance is a little more upfront, electricity generally is cheaper, especially right now, than natural gas. And if you put solar on your roof, which you can do way more affordably now, you know, you can probably put solar on the average roof for like ten or twenty thousand dollars. Used to be a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and then it was fifty, and then it was thirty, and yeah. now anyway, it's really cheap. Wow. So my dad um, did that recently. Really? Yeah, I think it cost him only eleven thousand. Yeah, and tax credits, I'm sure, can yeah, be helpful there. Totally, Three tax rates. credits. And there's lots of companies that'll just pay for it. They'll own it, and then you, they'll sell you the electricity from the system on your roof at a discount below what you're paying your utility. It's just like dynamic, right? Versus like when they, we have the most sunshine or when the, the biggest uh, demand on the grid is. It is, yeah, in most states. Okay. Yeah, when air conditioners are needed in the summertime, that's mm -hmm. when the sun is shining. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, shout out to our friend Jackie Chen, who uh, is, is working in the space as well. Because um, I, I know Tesla has a, an at-home version uh, to, to be able to kind of uh, drive uh, drive energy and be able to sell power wall. Yeah, I've got um, got them in my garage and, and have, have had solar on, on many of my houses. Uh, and then the other thing I would suggest is um, buy electric vehicles. 
Um, I, I've been on electric a long time, but uh, we used to have a Jeep Grand Cherokee and a Mercedes or a, a BMW 530. And our maintenance and fuel cost and the car payments were thousands and thousands of dollars a year, right? You know, yeah. Car payments of whatever, 500 a month, fuel cost 500 a month, whatever it is. Um, and we've had a Tesla for 10 years, still have the same one. It's parked right outside. Uh, it went from having a range of about 265 miles to 230 miles in 10 years, yeah. 140,000 miles. It's pretty good. No maintenance other than tires and windshield wipers. Wow, that's remarkable. And that's I know that the Tesla's, Tesla's making like 15,000 per car net profit, which is twice what GM is getting and then mm -hmm. like 3x what some of the other folks are getting. Right. So I, that's probably because like vertical integration. Precisely. Can, can you share a little bit more about uh, what Tesla's doing in that space? Yeah, for sure. So instead of going to all the suppliers and having seats built and you know, all the other uh, components, they're making it themselves. So it's not only the cost savings, but it's also supply chain risk that they're eliminating. Um, but that vertical integration um, allows them to, you know, think globally and holistically about the vehicle. And, you know, something over here, this subsystem might actually support something over here. So, for example, they came up with putting heat pumps in uh, Model Y and Model 3 for HVAC heating and cooling, mm -hmm. uh, and it also takes care of the battery. So when the battery needs to shed heat because it's getting too warm in the wintertime, that heat can be transferred into the inside of the vehicle. Wow. Yeah, and vice versa. There's a lot of cool things like that. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm super excited about uh, about the future of electric vehicles. So go solar. Yeah. Do some things. Like, oh, last thing I should say, sure. my wife has asthma. Uh -huh. And so when we removed the um, uh, natural gas stove from our kitchen, she didn't have to use her inhaler anymore. Wow. And there's a lot of research out now. It's just recently coming out, right? This, this exactly. Recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That if you have a natural gas stove, it's equivalent to having a smoker in the same room with you, a full-time smoker. We're living with 16 cats. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I need to tell that to my parents. My mom actually recently got diagnosed with lung cancer. So, oh, wow. and we have a gas stove. Wow. So it's, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. It sounds like we kind of, do a switch. The yeah. gas industry has been spending, you know, I don't know, hundreds of millions for decades to say, mm -hmm. oh, it's clean. Well, it's not. Yeah. Look at the science. Yeah. It's just lobbying. It's like pretty powerful, right? It is. Um, so we've we've got a bunch of uh, founders in the in the community here, founders, technologists, investors, and they're always they're trying to figure out what can they do to uh, to avoid or avoid the mistakes that other founders have been able to uh, navigate. Can you give some like some feedback or some ideas? And you said you made a ton of uh, mistakes in the past. What would you tell uh, your your uh, yourself from 15, 20 years ago? Uh, a lot of things. Uh, one of the first things would be set aside a nest egg to cover your living expenses and make sure you're personally, you know. And I have a family. I have a, I have a son and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Who's fifteen now? So if it's fifteen years ago, I would have been worried about this. Um, but a lot of founders get in a situation where they have to, you know, take a salary to keep the lights on in their own home. Right. Sure. So if you can um, wait longer than you think before you start the company full time, you know, keep your current job for as long as possible or do some consulting. Or so some you can be lighting. totally focused. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and build up a nest egg. So yeah. you, you have one year. I would recommend one year of living expenses in savings mm -hmm. before you go full time with your company. Uh, because there will be difficult times and it's going to take longer than you think and cost more money than you think, no matter what your industry is or what your field is. 
uh, and you don't want to be tempted to pull cash out of the company to pay your own personal bills. You know, it's funny. This advice is almost the exact opposite of what the advice was in the startup community in 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that when the when the advice was always like, quit your day job as soon as possible? To like, that was, like, that was probably Gary V was like screaming that at people. Was he around during that time? <laughs> uh, maybe. maybe Pro I mean, probably. He was like along that. No, if you, I'm pretty sure we like I. We've all collectively forgot that era during startup where it was all about grind, grind, grind. Put your like your mental health can take the back seat. Um, quit your day job. Put everything you have because like mm. this is your, your one chance to make to like like achieve your dream kind of thing. And it's funny to and it's really great actually to watch the advice kind of move like like more like pendulum. Into, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like now it's like hey. Maybe you should think about the future. Maybe you should focus about mental, like mental health, like avoid burnouts. Who would have thought? Speaking of which, it's kind of a pendulum going from uh, uh, globalism, you know, open trade uh, to nationalism, just to some degree, kind of like bringing that back in. Yeah. Um, are, are you seeing that impact your uh, your your revenue pipeline? Yeah, somewhat. Uh, supply chain issues are a big problem. Like yeah. we have enough demand now for 40 machines to, you know, to, that we need to build as soon as possible. And, and we're seeing anywhere from 10 months to 24 month lead time on some of our key components. Wow. So we're thinking about doing the Tesla thing and vertically integrating and trying to you know, bring it in house. Like three three D printing some of the components. Or? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and uh, and just you know figuring out the design and doing it ourselves. So that's that's something uh, that, that's I think you know pr pretty critical. You talk about balance and, and so forth, founder. So another thing is get enough sleep. That's another thing <laughs> I would tell people. You know, I hear people ah, bragging about ah, I'm able to get by on only four hours of sleep. Total nonsense. Yeah. You so know? don't get four hours of sleep. Don't <laughs> get four hours of sleep. <laughs> get, get, you know, I hardly ever set an alarm. I wake up when my body's done, right? Yeah. Get enough sleep. That's critical. Um, stay balanced. I never work on Sundays. Um, I'm an athlete. You know, competed on American Ninja Warrior four times. Yeah, tell, uh, tell us about that. <laughs> what, what was surprising? I like how you just casually, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, by the way, I competed in American Ninja Warrior. That was an actual fight. <laughs> 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 American Ninja Warrior four times. Move on. <laughs> Can we roll the clip? <laughs> Uh, I don't. What do you want to know? I mean, my son caught the show. We started watching it, binge watching. I was like, oh, I was a gymnast in college. I've been a rock climber and yoga for thirty years. Maybe I could do this. So I went to a gym and promptly threw out my back and hurt my shoulder. But, it but that pissed didn't me off. Stop you? No, it pissed me off. I'm so competitive, <laughs> and so I kept going back and got you know got good and just put the time in. And um, and it's a really fun way to work out. It's way better, in my opinion, anyway. It's way better than being on. You know, an exercise bike at the gym, or it's or better than picking something up and putting something down. Precisely. <laughs> so, so Peter is is a social media guru. Um, from Earthgrid's perspective, what kind of messaging or or narrative or story do you think would be really compelling? Like at CES this year, uh, Elon had the the multicolored tunnels. I'm sure you've seen those. Right. What, what is the message that EarthGrid is sharing? Is it is it aspirational? Is it educational? Is it kind of you know, poking fun at stuff? How does it work? 
Yeah, we, we think it's more aspirational uh, that we can fix infrastructure. The American Society of Civil Engineers rated our infrastructure last year a C minus, and we were lucky to get that. It's usually like a D. It's really bad. You know, how are they getting that that number? Or they the they do surveys on. You when know, you say, oh, sorry, when you say our infrastructure, you mean like, U.S. Oh, okay. United States, United States infrastructure. So they look at. Uh, you know, water pipelines, gas, roads, bridges, electric grid, all mm -hmm. of our infrastructure uh, that we, you know, trains and everything, ports, and it's falling apart and we're doing a poor job in the U.S. of investing in it. And this so, is not really news because of what, you know, we all remember what happened in Texas. Right. And California. Exactly. Even. Right. Flint, Michigan, water prices, <laughs> yeah. all of these things. Yeah. So, no, it's aspirational because we want to build an underground super grid. Mm and it'll have power, fiber, and water. I mean, there's parts of the country that have too much water. Why not move that to California and parts in Arizona where there's a drought? And obviously we need to upgrade the grid to allow a massive influx of new solar and wind at a much lower cost to lower everyone's energy bills mm -hmm. and make, you know, make our country and the world a better place. Same with broadband. Yeah. Uh, we want to offer broadband to underserved communities. Um, well, so here, here's a fun question then. Should the grid, because right now the grid is primarily up uh, responsible by private companies of keeping it right. Should you think we sh should that become socialized? You know, um, the in my opinion, the Careful. government <laughs> takes too long and costs too much to get anything done. However, having said that, some of the biggest grids in our country are government owned. Bonneville Power Authority, Tennessee Valley Authority, WAPA, the Western uh, Area Power Authority. So a lot of the transmission lines in this country are U.S. government. You should meet our friend Papia, Papia Gamlin. She's at uh, she's at United now, but she did uh, ten years at PG&E. Oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that could be a potentially good. Uh, speaking of which, what are the introductions um, that would be helpful? We always want to be valuable yep. to our guests. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So who do you want to meet? It sounds like if you've got you said forty machines, demand for forty machines, you got to make these bad boys. We got to make them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We need to hire talent. You know, engineers, mechanical engineers, stuff like that. Uh, we're raising capital again because to meet this growth, mm -hmm. um, we have contracts with three Fortune five hundred com com companies that we're negotiating right now. Uh, more coming, but. Yeah, we want as many contracts as we can get because sure. then we can go raise non-dilutive project finance capital, debt uh -huh. capital based on contracts to uh, uh, banks and probably better terms. Banks and infrastructure funds, yeah, better Got terms. Got uh, yeah, exactly. But we uh, we are looking for uh, a lead for our current fifteen million dollar seed round. Cool. Um, well, responsibly ventures, Zeka Len down from Los Angeles. Let's let's get you connected here, Peter. You have something. Are you for in terms of mechanical engineering? Are you guys looking for more senior or junior? Both. Okay. We got a couple questions you want to answer. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, tunnels under the aqueducts. Yeah, how do you, how do you manage like uh, marshlands uh, or or how does, that, how does that work? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, because we can go at a kilometer per day, you know, it's Star Wars tech or whatever, and, um, <laughs> but we can go 30 degrees down, we can get deep. So we actually prefer to go deep and get underneath marshlands or the water table and underneath the, the spaghetti of all the other infrastructure wow. that's already there yeah we don't mind hard rock everybody else hates it but we don't mind in fact it makes a stronger tunnel so we don't have to put as much concrete lining in more of a country I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. i can imagine going through hard rock is easier than just plasming your way through mud yeah yeah right well exactly everyone else wants mud but anyway so that's what we would do we would just go deeper gotcha gotcha it looks like we have another couple questions here. By the way, if you, if you want to join the stage here, uh, Peter, you got the, the link. Can we yep. drop that? Uh, 
what um, little battery life I have in my computer, I'll dedicate to this. Probably because it's an HP. Oh my god, that's <laughs> not. <laughs> this is a this is an older Intel, right? It's not the it's not the Evo. No, no so you're less impressed. We don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to <laughs> Ta -da. Uh, this is why you get a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> or That's right. Uh, let's see. Architects and engineers rated a D minus. So it sounds like um, yeah. it sounds like it's pretty bad across the board. Yeah, yeah. D minus exactly is our usual grade in, in a lot of places. It's it's pretty bad. Here's a question from Jake. Uh, when you realize you might want to vertically integrate like Tesla, what did you do? Have you honed an approach to strategizing or researching such opportunities? We are just now looking into that. We're still a startup. We built our first MVP over the last seven months, and it went live last week. Wow. So we oh, started that was the big test you did. The big test we did. Yeah, okay. it worked, and it worked really well. In fact, better, even better than, than we uh, expected. So super excited about it. Champagne. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and we had uh, a big customer in. The world's largest trenching company was there uh, to see it. They brought their geologist and geophysicist and wow. you know, experts, and they're like, this is basalt rock. Yeah. Nobody tries to go through basalt rock, right. and you're just shredding it. So um, anyway. So the vertical integration, we're just starting to think about that um, now as we're getting these customer orders, thinking about, gosh, we want to generate revenue this year, not in two years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And what are you personally most excited about? Like transportation, electricity, wastewater. I mean, there's there's so many different verticals to to disrupt. It's it's hard to answer that. I yeah, I, uh, I would say the power industry because I've been in that industry for three decades, sure. and it, it's it's in such desperate need of of help. Yeah, you know, to solve the the Texas problem that you mm -hmm. mentioned, Peter. If we'd have had a transmission line from LA to to Dallas or anywhere in Texas, a, D, a high voltage DC line, which is way more efficient than AC at high voltage. They wouldn't have ever had their blackout. And same with California. We could share their wind power. They're the leading wind power state. We're the leading solar state. We might as well share. And right, right now, there's three grids in this country. The eastern grid, the western grid, and, and Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, be Texas somewhere. might want to succeed from the nation at any moment, right? Well, I heard that was the reason why they yeah, had much. wanted to go independent. Pretty I learned much. that from uh, Trevor Dillon on nice. The Daily Show. Nice. So, <laughs> so Cena says, are you lobbying? Interested in hearing if you do bottom up or uh, or lobbying, i.e. the consumer and how and how does it work with the campaigns? Yeah, great. We are not doing any lobbying yet because we just were focused on getting this machine built. And we have a lot of customer demand, but we do have a lobbying firm that we've been in, engaged um, conversation with. And we'll probably uh, tee them up sometime this year. We want to do bottoms up. And here's how. Because we're a utility in 26 states, we can offer broadband in 26 oh, states. Oh, like a package deal? Yeah, to ah, people's homes. Okay. And so we're going to start signing up people because only, I think only 35, 40% of Americans have access to decent broadband. And it's usually only one or two choices. We should have three or four and that'll competition. Drive. And this can also apply, uh, affect the people who live in rural areas. So they don't have That's to right. do the, what's that company called? Like Satellink? Um, yeah. Um, uh, Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. yeah. Elon's uh, SpaceX spinoff. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, and like, you know, my in-laws in a little town in Idaho. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, terrible internet every time we visit for the holidays. So um, anyway, that'll be uh, bottoms up where we'll get consumers excited about EarthGrid and the, and the network we're building. And then hopefully that will then lead to tunnels for maglev, you know, uh, or high-speed rail or Hyperloop uh, tunnels for transportation. Wow. We want to build a wow. tunnel from northern Canada to London. 
Yeah, connect wow. the two continents under the Atlantic Ocean through Greenland, Iceland, and the Faroe Islands. How long would that take? Two years and $2 billion. <laughs> Done. I'll write a check right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome uh, to the show. We've got Jules, who is the founder of Conscious Conversations. Hi, Jules. Hi, Jules. Hey, guys. <laughs> Um, so this has been a super fun part of the, first of all, thank you for all the wonderful uh, content. Thank you for having um, me. Um, this is a pretty fun part of the show too, where we get to zoom out of the, the technology and get closer to to the human element. Nice. Um, so Jules, do you want to share a little bit about what you've been building with Conscious Conversations and, and get yeah, us kicked off? Absolutely. And once again, thank you guys for having me. It's been, uh, it was fun last week. I'm sure it's going to be fun this week too. <laughs> um, so this is my creation. Conscious Conversations. And this actually formed uh, a few years ago when my husband and I were going around to all these networking events. And I just got kind of tired of all of the old, same old questions of like, where are you from? What do you do? Like, I'm sure at a certain point, we've all gotten sick of that. Right. So oh, I yeah. asked myself, if I want to have deeper conversations with these people, I'm sure they also want to have deeper conversations. And so I took that idea and I made it into physical manifestation of a deck of cards, each one curated by me, uh, topics that range from spirituality to um, you know nostalgic memories from childhood, travel, uh, so on and so forth. So we're gonna take a little bit of a break from the tech talk and dive into some more personal questions uh, that go into more of who, we're, who we are as opposed to just what we do. Are we ready for uh, this week's question, guys? Let's do it. It's like a box Hit. of chocolates. You know, what are you going to get? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so let's do it. So I'm going to pick from here. So this week's question is, and let me know if this question doesn't make sense, but okay. Do you remember believing something that is different than what you believe now? And how have your beliefs changed? Ooh, that's deep. This might take a moment to, to ponder. I always, I always thought my dad was like invincible uh, growing up. Um, and I guess as we, as we get older, we figure out that that's uh, like, that's obviously not the case, but it, it's interesting um, as we transition uh, into, into that role, I'm, I'm not a dad yet, but you know, God willing, we'll, we'll be on, on that path in the next year or so. Um, so I, I'm starting to see my dad get older and, um, and kind of me moving into that position of being the kind of the, the, the family man, the centerpiece and, and how I need to show up, not just for my family, but for my friends too. So I guess it's kind of like an interesting a shift in dynamics and how we show up for, for our friends and family. That's cool. I thought it too. Um, the fun one first, uh, UFOs. I didn't believe in them when I was growing up, um, but all the data that's come out from the uh, U.S. military, uh, they call them something else now, UAPs, I think, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Oh, cool. um, so it's it's obvious there's something out there that even our best technology at the military can't, you know, can't, uh, can't explain. Um, but the other one is similar, you know, you said your dad's getting older. Same with me. I always thought that, you know, my life would be over at 40 or 50 or whatever. <laughs> and I'm 55 and I'm still able to compete, you know, in the top 1% of Ninja Warrior athletes with, you know, teenagers and 20 and 30 year olds. And I still haven't found my upper limit in terms of what I'm capable of wow. with my body, even at this age. That's, that's amazing. Wow. Um, I want to double click on that, but Peter, go ahead. 
Yeah, I have to, <laughs> I'm on a blank. Um, I think for me, it's uh, so. I was born in China. I grew up uh, raised very Chinese, and we a lot of Chinese families kind of subscribe to really old Confucian ways of thinking. Um, I that's a whole nother topic, but the I was growing up to believe that like once you hit a certain age, there should be like milestones that you're supposed to achieve. Uh, when you're 20, you're supposed to have picked a field. When you're 30, you're supposed to be married. When you're 40, you're supposed to have books, Y, and Z. Right. Um, I think that, that's all bullshit. <laughs> 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 and that everyone's own path is unique to them, which is also ironically another Chinese pro proverb, but it's Taoism. Yeah, <laughs> Taoism, yeah. As long as you're uh, you're improving daily, yeah. Um, be the willow that bends in the wind, right? That's a Taoism. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah. Um, Which is funny. Taoism is like the anti-Confucianism. Is that right? All the way it feels like that. Interesting. Um, but back to Ninja Warrior, just real quick. Like, what was going through your head? First of all, how did you prepare? Um, did you get nervous? And then what was? How did you get on the show? Spaces? Yeah. How did you get on the show? And then did, did you have anything like? Uh, that you were worried about, like like maybe like uh, losing your grip on one of the, like just tell us everything. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, getting on the show, you first of all have to be decent at it, and so I started competing in the leagues because okay. everyone knows about the show, but it's a whole sport. So there's leagues with tens Why? of thousands of people all over, and there's competitions. There's like 400 Ninja Warrior gyms around the country. <laughs> the biggest one in the country is right up the street in Richmond, California. Shut up. Let's go. I'm serious. Um, I'm that sounds so I'm, fun. I'm one of the investors there. But anyway, um, so I just started training, and then you submit a video. You have to submit a, like a three-minute video to the casting agency, and they usually get like 100,000 oh, applicants. It's like survivor rules. Yeah. And they pick out of 100,000, they pick five to 700. What wow. was your uh, What was in your video? I was Solar Ninja Troy. Okay. That was my Solar Ninja. That sounds like a great name. That's yeah. my social Solar media Ninja. handle as well on Insta and Twitter and everything. But. Nice. Um, but I was terrified to answer your question. Yeah. The first time I competed, season 10, absolutely terrified. I was like, uh, I'm quitting. I'm not, I, I, this sport's wow. not for me. I don't wow. want to do this. Wow. Um, but got up there. And what I was most worried about was the agility balance stuff. Because I have really good grip strength from being a climber off and on for 30 years. So right. I wouldn't worry about the grip strength so much. And, and I, as a gymnast, I have good body awareness in, in the air. Sure. Um, it was, yeah, it was the agility thing. Sure enough, that's where I fell in my first season. Okay. And, but obviously you, you made it to more seasons after that. Like. Yeah, yeah, I've done, done better. And I was invited to compete in Australia at their national thing and hit a buzzer there. And and uh, I, did, I did pretty well in, in some of the leagues as well. And I, I don't compete in the master's division over 40, although I probably should It'd be a lot easier. I still compete in the professional division. And I kind of, that, that speaks to uh, the, the fact that it is in your mind, right? Like you, you said, some of these uh, some of these kids are half your age, but you're you're still uh, you're teaching them, right? Thank yeah. The really young kid, the teenagers, they've been growing up, literally watching the show, doing this for 10, 12, 15 years. Their bodies have literally grown into ninja bodies. Wow. It's really wild Jeez. to see <laughs> how their muscles have. You know, it's way different from a gymnast or someone who plays football or, or runs track or whatever. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, that's incredible. So I can't compete with the sixteen-year-olds very well. <laughs> uh, Jules, what uh, what was your your answer for conscious conversations here? 
Well, I kind of want to go back to the UFO uh, mention a second ago, because that's actually one of my questions in the deck too. Do you or someone that you know, have, have you ever encountered a UFO? Like I have a slight fascination with all things kind of um, alternative, metaphysical, otherworldly, et cetera, and so on. So do you guys know anybody who has encountered or has some kind of story like that? I haven't personally, but yes, I met somebody in the military who was at a nuclear um, uh, launch silo that got shut down by a UFO. Literally all their power went off when the wow. UFO approached back in the 80s. Wow. They had wow. no explanation for it. And they saw they saw something in the air? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And they got, you know, old grainy videos. It's frustrating that we don't have really good quality videos of these things, but they don't move in a way that we know, you know, they move so fast yeah. it's hard to get good video. But radar images now that the military has, has have released, it's clear that nothing <laughs> that we know of can move mm -hmm. the, the way those things move. I have a theory about this. I believe that I so I believe that the, the UFOs that we're seeing, if they are UFOs, they're they might be from another time instead of from another world. Us from the future, right? Yeah, maybe. Because like dimensional as opposed to interplanetary necessarily. Yeah, because I, I, I really do that. believe in the Fermi paradox. I feel like the fact that like all of the stars we're seeing right now yeah. are already dead. Yeah. And it's the light that it that we're actually watching. It's like they're projecting an image of what they were because they're so far away two billion that years ago yeah, yeah by that by the time we weren't if we were to get there yeah. they have been probably been like gone for thousands or millions of years that's a leading another wow. one that, that i think might be is is <laughs> if it is intergalactic you know the the time and distance i don't think any little green men or women are in these things right i think they are like energy or, um, they're right. quantum they're 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 quantum controlled so they have a quantum connection back to their home planet and they're they're drones that they sent out billions of years ago to all of the you know the the planets that have or the the solar the galaxies and the, that have solar systems with uh, goldilocks zone planets right which apparently there's there's like tens of thousands of planets that could be tens of trillions. Uh, I, I just mean in our solar system, right? In our galaxy? Yeah. Uh, I think there's something now with James Webb. I think they're saying it's in the billions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of James Webb, we did a, uh, we had a small piece in the last brain food. So Peter, I, I'm never pointing the right direction. Where's the QR code? <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah. So check out brain food. It's our monthly newsletter. And we, we talk a little bit about the, uh, the James Webb uh, telescope there too. Um, so, any or just subscribe to our newsletter in general. Yeah. You know, it's just you know you'll, you'll hear from us once a month. Yeah. So, do you have any experience with UFOs? I I do not. Um, I have had experiences with uh, like entities, uh, huh. which is you know it's in the same realm of like woo woo weird kind of stuff. Um, sure. My sister has also, so I wonder if it just kind of like runs in the family at this point. Um. That could, we should have like a whole nother yeah. <laughs> podcast and just like the weirdness of, of reality, right? Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, I think that like for me, if I was to answer this question of like if my belief had cha beliefs have changed, it would. Uh, I grew up in a, a, a household that was not very spiritual um, at all, like zero percent, and I thought people who believed in God were kind of strange, right? And I'm not I'm not religious, but I definitely believe in something beyond our five senses. I do believe that we were 
we were created because this is just so intelligently designed that it's, I don't know. I feel like it's impossible that it just happened out of, you know, some cosmic goop yeah, one day that right. we just randomly evolved. Right. So uh, there was an incident in 2012 where it was basically overnight. Like I went from not believing in God whatsoever to knowing in my heart and my soul a hundred percent that God existed, that we are souls. It was a very surreal, incredible experience. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was a, probably one of the most impactful moments of, of my life. It was kind of like my jewels before that moment and like jewels after <laughs> that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that, Jules. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of which, who's the fellow? Oh, I think it was Darwin on his deathbed. Uh, he supposedly he said, um, that it couldn't have been all chance, like, e even the minutiae of the rods and the cones in our eyes developing and something it actually develops out of our brains, which is interesting if you see the development of a, of a fetus. Oh, wow! Uh, um, e even, even the intricacies of the, of the eyes are, are such that, uh, this what we have here can be all just, just left to chance. Hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, Jules. Uh, uh, and where can where can folks find Conscious Conversations? Um, well, if you want to join, we have an online community of 158,000 people on Instagram. So Conscious <laughs> Conversations underscore underscore. Um, and if you want to buy a deck, you can buy it off Instagram or you can uh, go to the website, ConsciousConversations.co. Oh, fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us, Jules. And yeah. Check them out. We'll, we'll put I'm modeling here. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, put job. The, we'll put the link in the uh, in the show notes as well. Um, I want to do another quick shout out for Nicodex. If you're building products, be sure to go to Nicodex.com. That's N-E-C-O-D-E-X.com. Uh, and they've done some wonderful work for our, for our group here, or for our community. And also Premier Negocios, um, who, who's done some amazing work uh, for digital marketing and getting local customers. So, but least, do, we, do you want to talk about the our episode cadence yeah that's what you take that one okay so we starting in the month of march uh so the merry the, month of march the merry month of march <laughs> silicon zombies is going to be twice a month instead of four times a week right or four times a month right so so we'll do uh, four times a week would be awesome <laughs> that, that's a lot of zombies. <laughs> oh, i'm sorry yeah yeah four times a month <laughs> so first first tuesdays and third tuesdays yep and we're also going to be doing some more uh in-person events as well so stay tuned for that and